89.9 The Light, your in-community conversation with Clayton. It is so good to be with you. You can text through any question you'd like for any of our guests this evening on 0428 899 899. And it is an absolute pleasure to have the founder of Inventium. Uh, she's an organisational psychologist. We're going to find out what that means as well. Uh, Dr. Amantha Imber joins us. G'day, Amantha. Hi, how are you going? I'm doing very, very well. You better help us off, uh, start us off by that. What does an organisational psychologist actually mean? Well, an organisational psychologist is a psychologist that specialises in people at work and basically making work more enjoyable and helping people be more effective and perform better when they're at work. Mm. Uh, this question, I think, is probably one of those holistic questions. It's probably a bit of everything. But when you go in and, and sort of re-look at a workplace, are you looking primarily to be more efficient, more fun, more uh, enjoyable? Uh, where's the, the first point that you look at? Or, or is it that it doesn't sort of matter which way you end up doing it? Hopefully, they'll all start connecting together. Yeah, well, look, at Inventium, which is the consultancy that I run, we specialise in helping people be more creative and innovative and productive at work. So that's our specialty. So we're looking at things like how good are people at creatively solving problems? How good are people at working efficiently and effectively? And ultimately, how happy are they while they're doing all these things at work? Yeah, uh, We might talk a bit more specifically, I suppose, about the importance of creativity, the importance of happiness at work and those sorts of things as we go throughout our, our uh, amount. I'd love to start, though, by perhaps talking a bit about you and, and how you got into this field. Uh, was it always sort of an area that as a, a kid growing up, you were sort of always gravitating to, to working these sorts of things out even as you, you were growing? Or is this something that later in life you said, look, actually, I, I really like this sort of idea? It was something that I was interested in from quite a young age. So I grew up with a mother that's a clinical psychologist. So that's someone that kind of works like um, in a counselling or therapy kind of mode. And so I'd hear a lot about what psychology involved and what psychologists did growing up. And I think as a teenager, I knew that I really wanted to be a psychologist. I wanted to have a job where I was helping people in a meaningful way. And I was just fascinated by what made people tick. So I, I went on and studied psychology and when I was in second year, I realised that there was this branch called organisational psychology, which was all about helping people essentially be happier and work better where they spend a third of their lives at work. And for me, that really clicked. And then I went on and ended up doing my doctorate in organisational psychology and uh after that, I worked in advertising, actually, as a consumer psychologist for a few years. Um, but uh, I guess it's quite ethically challenging when you go into <laughs> psychology to, to help people, but really all I felt I was doing was helping people buy more chocolate bars. So yeah. I, uh, I left that field and I started Inventium um, about 14 years now. Excellent. Um, you know, I, my wife's a psychology teacher. I've been fascinated by psychology for many, many years, but I'd never actually uh, fully heard of an organisational psychologist as its own sort of form until more recent times where we've actually had a, a few people over the last few months with us. Is it a large field organisational psychology if I just had a blind spot here? No, I don't think so. I mean, there are a few of us around. Uh, there, there, there are certainly a lot of organisational psychologists in human resource departments at big organisations. And then there are 
others that are working in more niche areas like in um, like psychometric assessment. So if you've ever gone for a job and they made you do a battery of tests, uh, there's a good chance there might have been an organisational psychologist analysing those results or administering those tests. Um, so there are quite a few around. It's probably not as well known as like clinical psychology or counselling psychology. Um, in terms of when you sort of go into a, a workplace um, and and start, what what's the first things you are actually looking at? What, what are the is sort of as you, you walk in and say, "All right, we're here to help." The, someone's asked us to come and help them in this way. What's the the sort of starting spot? Well, often we have a fair idea of what's going on from the organisation that's contacted us, so we get all sorts of calls to the Inventium office. Some companies call because they realise they need help becoming more innovative. They feel like their people are sort of stuck in a rut or they're doing things the way that they've always done them and they recognise that that's not going to serve them well or perhaps their industry is being disrupted uh, and they need help thinking about, well, you know, how can, how can they get better at producing, you know, real breakthrough thinking? Uh, other times, uh, and certainly at the moment with COVID and down there's a lot of people working from home and I think a lot of people you know, probably listening that are working from home, you know, might be struggling with that, uh, you know, sort of missing that lack of face-to-face connection, maybe feeling it's a little bit Groundhog Day, maybe feeling a bit of death by Zoom. And at the moment, that's probably one of the more common areas where we're helping organisations is helping people really thrive at work when the way that they work is kind of been thrown upside down given a lot of us are now working from home all the time yeah have there been a few key things that you've realized and, and maybe you could share with us now too that um you know are some of those things that are, are helping us thrive more when we're working at home and like you said you know so often on a, a zoom call sure so um look on a zoom call one of the best things that you can do is you can select the option to hide self-view Uh, which basically means hiding your own face from view. This is one of the things that makes Zoom or whatever platform you're using exhausting because you are looking at yourself and sort of monitoring what you look like. And that actually takes up a lot of brain power and concentration and it's quite exhausting um, sort of thinking about what do you look like, how are you coming across, as well as trying to listen and contribute to the meeting. So a really simple trick is to just cover up yourself and look if you want to get low tech about it just put a post-it note over your face um and meetings will suddenly become a whole lot less exhausting and i suppose when we think about it if we're in the actual workplace we're sitting in a meeting i you know i don't have a mirror there um sitting and 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 checking what i'm looking like i'm I'm just there and i'm in the midst of it all that's exactly right so it's it's completely different um and we also know for example research from microsoft has shown that at about the 30 minute point is when our brain tends to get really, really fatigued and it's really hard to concentrate. So another really important strategy is meetings that go for longer than 30 minutes via video conference should be the exception rather than the norm Mm. because our brain just simply can't cope. Um, So 30 minutes, try to squeeze it into that and be efficient with your meetings and ones that are longer, make sure that you're taking frequent breaks because our brains can't concentrate for that long via um, via Zoom or video conference. Yeah. Uh, I know that there's, um, and, you know, I'm sure there's a number of colleagues who are probably listening at the moment. I should be careful, but there's times that when we're in the midst of it and if I go, oh, well, this part of the meeting's just sort of, 
not not majorly focused uh, on me. I, I'm I'm suddenly off clicking somewhere else. Or I might be doing a bit of other work, or I'm checking out what's happening in the news, or something like that. Again, something that you don't really and you can't really do sitting around a you know a table when you're in in a meeting. Um, I'm guessing that's probably happening a whole lot as well. And and then suddenly you snap back to oh they asked me to do something in the meeting. Are you finding <laughs> that people are are getting distracted in that sense too? Oh, 100%. I think it's rife. Uh, you know, I think it's quite rare now to have a meeting where people are completely focused for the whole meeting. Um, it's certainly something that we focus on at Inventium with our own internal meetings. But, you know, look, I, I hear that from clients all the time, that people are just not focused all the time in meetings. Whereas if it's a face-to-face meeting, it's completely different because you will be caught if you are, you know, having a sneaky check of the news or Facebook or Insta or email or something like that. Well, it's wonderful to have a, a chat at the moment with uh, Dr. Amantha Imba. She's the uh, founder of Inventium, an organisational psychologist. And we're going to talk specifically next with Amantha around this idea of uh, how do we actually move past procrastination? We talked about distraction there. We talked about various parts of it. But I reckon probably all of us in the midst of, of COVID and lockdown, we, we might be starting to feel a bit sluggish. Now oh, I can't really be bothered doing that. Or I can't be bothered doing that. But there might be some great things we should be focusing on. We're going to get her take on that next and any of your questions as well on 0428 899 899 right here on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. 89.9 The Light. This is Positive Radio. You're in community conversation with Clayton. You can text through your question right now on 0428 899 899 for Dr. Amantha Imba. She is an organisational psychologist. Uh, she's also the uh, founder of Inventium. And as we've been hearing, uh, works uh, primarily with uh, organisations to help them be more efficient and happy and all the things that work together and actually make things better as we go about our work and highly important as we go through the current situation in such a different way uh, during lockdown as well. Um, Amantha, it was a, a little while ago, you actually wrote an article for one of the newspapers which uh, caught my attention, my, my producer, my, my attention. We said, oh, we'd love to have Amantha on to talk a bit about this. And it was uh, having a chat about procrastination. Is this something that you're seeing uh, a lot of people are doing during COVID? You know, there's sort of a, one school of thought of, oh, we've still got, a, got more time, maybe you get things done. But are you seeing some procrastination occurring as well? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's one of those things that as humans, uh, procrastination yeah. <laughs> often happens when we're uh, trying to be working, but something else is catching our attention, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly right. And especially when, uh, you know, it's the same, same uh, day in, day out, it's a whole lot easier mm. perhaps to just watch Netflix or something like that. Um, <laughs> you, you, yes. were, you were talking about uh, a, a few great ways of actually, how do we help ourselves in terms of you know, uh, moving past it and, and actually getting to places of, you know, getting past those distractions, actually getting to some of the things that we should really be focusing on. Could you take us through some of that again? Yeah, sure. So, look, one of the most fundamental things is just coming back to, to human motivation. Um, like, you've got to ask yourself, why are you actually procrastinating? Why is work not inherently interesting for you so much so that you're looking for other things to do other than your work. So there are three really important drivers of what motivates us at work. So one of those is um, mastery. So the opportunity to learn new skills and feel challenged by what we do. Um, The second is autonomy. So having a bit of freedom in how we go about doing our job and the tasks that are part of our job. 
And the third is connection. So feeling that human connection with other people, hopefully on your team. So if you think about those three things and think about, well, in your own work, are any of those three things um, really lacking? Um, and, you know, what, what would be quite, um, you know, quite telling is if all of those three things are not there. Um, it's therefore not surprising that you are procrastinating because clearly work is not inherently motivating for you. So if that's a problem, a, a really straightforward thing to do is to think about those three things. So um, human connection and, you know, having those meaningful connections with other people in your organisation or on your team, thinking about autonomy, how can you, um, you know, perhaps create some more freedom in how you do what you do and thinking about mastery. How can you, you know, use your job as an opportunity to learn new skills or master new skills? Any one of those things will help you feel more motivated and ultimately when we feel more motivated and excited about the work that we're doing, we don't actually want to procrastinate as much because work's exciting. Yeah, excellent. Um, I know, you know, Dan Pink's book, Drive, talks uh, about two of those three as well, you know, autonomy, mastery, and his third one is around purpose. Um, that sort of deeper underlying purpose of what we do, how does that actually fit in as well? Yeah, purpose is certainly really important as well. And, you know, certainly, well, hopefully you work for an organisation who has a really clear, meaningful purpose for you that resonates with you. But if it doesn't, then it perhaps is up to you to think about, well, how does the work specifically that you do, um, how is that meaningful for other people? Like, for example, is it a role where you're helping people in some way? Um, you know, whether that be, you know, helping people secure a loan for a house, for example, um, that might be meaningful, even though you might not believe in your organization's sure. um, overall purpose. So it is sort of trying to find that individual meaning if you're not working for an organization that does have quite a compelling purpose for you. Yeah. And, and as you said, you put that autonomy, that mastery, that connection and that purpose of finding the, the, the spot that, you know, you can maybe do something in this organisation that no one else can. There's, there's a deep purpose in that too, isn't there, as we go forward? Um, yes, definitely. I, I was fascinated by uh, some of uh, the fantastic things that you talked about, about how our mobile phones can distract us. And I'd, I'd interestingly already put a couple of these things in place even before I read uh, your ideas about it. But the concept basically being that our phones can be such a huge distractor for us at any stage. They're always with us now. They're sort of, you know, connected to us. And I love the, your, your sort of idea of, in essence, making it boring. Uh, could you talk a bit more about that? Definitely. So our phones are a huge source of distraction. So on average, we spend about four hours a day on our phones. That might well have increased thanks to COVID. And half of that time, so two of those four hours, are spent on the top five social media platforms like YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and so on. And if you add that up, that's that's 45 days per year that we Ooh. are on social media, Whoa. which is crazy. Yeah. Yes. Um, there's much better things we can be doing with our time. So uh, our phone and more specifically the apps that are on our phone that are kind of grabbing our attention in potentially unhelpful ways, things like Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and so on, um, they're designed to be addictive. They are designed to, to kind of give us positive reinforcement, give us dopamine hits where we feel really good um, when we look at them because we're getting new likes and we're getting 
fun sounds and colours uh, and it's an infinity scroll. So we yeah. literally never reach the end of the, the, um, the page. Uh, all things designed to be uh, highly addictive. So we're kind of, um, in a way, uh, well, you could say at the mercy of these very clever organisations that employ attention engineers whose very job it is is to keep you glued to the screen. Mm. So a great way to, to fight against this, rather than just trying to use, you know, brute force and willpower and say to yourself, okay, I'm only going to check Facebook for 10 minutes a day. Um, that's really hard to do. And our, our willpower muscle, if you like, is, is limited and it deteriorates throughout the day. So instead, um, change, change your environment. And what I mean by that is change the environment on your phone specifically. So what I recommend as a great way to make your phone less exciting, less addictive, is to delete the apps that are hijacking your attention. Now, that sounds really extreme. And what I recommend is maybe just try it for a week. So think about, and you can go into screen time on the Apple and there's an Android equivalent, I'm sorry, on the iPhone, uh, to see which apps are you gravitating towards the most, although I'm sure everyone has a pretty good idea about this, and just try deleting them for one week and see what happens. Um, it will be hard for the first few days because you're essentially rewiring um, your habits in your brain. Um, but what you'll probably find at the end of the week is that your social life hasn't fallen apart and that you've actually been able to fill that time with things that are much more personally fulfilling and also perhaps productive on the work front. And I can actually attest to this. Um, it was a couple of years ago that I actually did that to, with Facebook on my phone. Realised I was just wasting time, uh, and it was that, that infinity thing is you're spot on right. And I went, okay, um, I'm not deleting the account, but I, I have to actually go and log into it on a computer to actually look at it. And I am so pleased with what I've I've got back from that. So your exact <laughs> point, I have thoroughly, thoroughly take got back so much more by just simply deleting an app like that and. And making sure of it, so um, I can certainly, you know, I, I can attest attest to what you're saying to Amanda. Um, could you talk about also? I loved your idea, and this is something I'd never heard of um, about this concept of um, like planting a virtual tree with your phone. Could you talk to us about that? Yeah, so this is one of my favourite apps that I've discovered in recent times. So let's just say that you've made your phone fairly boring, you've deleted most of the apps, but, you know, you're still getting text messages and maybe WhatsApp messages and things like that. Uh, and it's totally understandable. Ideally, you do want to switch off notifications when you're trying to work because they are um, very distracting and they, um, you know, it sort of sort of turns us into multitasking creatures, which makes everything take longer. And so I um, discovered this app called Forest, uh, as in like a forest of trees. And how forest works is that you set the timer for how long you want to do some focused work and essentially be off your phone. And then forest will grow a virtual tree for you. So let's just say I want to do half an hour of focused work. I set the timer, a tree starts to grow. But if I check my phone in that 30 minute window, the tree will die. And I find that surprisingly motivating to keep that virtual tree alive and it keeps me off the phone for however long I've set the timer for. So I really, I really like it. I don't know why virtual trees um, are so motivating, but I, I think they are. 
I love certainly it. is to me. I love it. I mean, there's a whole whole uh, theories around gamifying work, and it's just doing it for yourself. It's fantastic, isn't it? I, I absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. Something else you did talk about in here was rather than I suppose the taking things away, it was to actually add something. And, and you've already mentioned it a bit around the connection, but it was. Um, especially during lockdown, to have a an actual chat on the telephone rather than necessarily through, you know, video hangout or whatever, and, and just, you know, a human-to-human connection rather than maybe even about a work idea with somebody each day. Is is that something that you're, you know, seeing as is a real value to people that they're if they're able to make a bit of that time as well? Definitely. I think it's really important that you prioritise human connection. It's It's quite easy to forget about that and just be focused on work or you know, particularly for those that are living alone or single parents, um, you know, it can get really lonely and that is, you know, not great for, for mental health. It's not great for motivation or productivity. So make sure that you really prioritise and even book in time for just social chit-chat and that human connection with another person. Um, and, you know, even though, you know, we can't necessarily see people face-to-face, you know, depending on your circumstance and depending on where, where you're listening from. Um, even even connection via phone um, can be incredibly powerful. And, and interestingly, research has shown that uh, phone compared to video chat, we're actually better at reading people's emotions over the phone. So um, I actually prefer phone to video chat um, because certainly, like, it's less exhausting, uh, unlike you know, death by Zoom, as we've talked about before. Um, but it's actually uh, it's actually easier for that emotional connection to um, to happen. Yeah, absolutely love it. Dr. Amantha Imber is my special guest this evening. She is an organisational psychologist, the founder of Inventium. We're going to be back uh, with Amantha in a couple of minutes' time talking about the value of creativity in our work and how that can um, increase our work. Maybe you think, oh, no, I've just got one of those jobs that's just sort of wrote you do the same thing over and over again or it's just data input or it's just you know working on the tools or whatever it might be um where do we find creativity and why is it so important uh, amantha's going to talk to us about that next and any of your questions you can text them through 0428 899 899 here on in community conversation on 89.9 the light in conversation with clayton The Light, this is Positive Radio, and my special guest is Dr. Amantha Imber. She is an organisational psychologist, the founder of Inventium as well, and she is joining us as she chats through uh, all the things, especially around work and work at home at the moment for so many of us as well. How can we improve ourselves and our organisations and as we go forward in those things? You can send a text through for Amantha, 0428-899-899. Amantha, I did want to ask about uh, creativity. You mentioned a bit earlier in the hour around uh, creativity as something that you focus on, you and your team focus on as you, you help various clients as they go through their, their sort of organisational improvements. Why is creativity so important? I sort of get it for you know someone in radio. Obviously, we want to be creative and do those sorts of things, but um, should every organisation have a, a, an element of creativity to it? Yeah, 100%. I mean, creativity is important because it's all about finding new and better ways of doing things. So creativity and innovation, it might be a new product or a new service, or it might be just improving your process, making something quicker or easier or more enjoyable to do. Um, so there's, there's all sorts of applications, but essentially it's finding new and better ways of doing things at work, whatever that might be. 
And how do you actually go about helping an organisation increase its creativity? Is there actual steps that you can take to do it or is it just a lot of hard work in terms of, all right, guys, we're, we're going to have a, a space now for creativity? Uh, yeah, there, there certainly is an approach that we use. And I think what's really important is that a, a lot of people see creativity as this trait that we're born with or we're not, um, but nothing could be further from the truth. So our ability to think creatively and solve problems creatively is something that you can learn. It's a really malleable skill. So with the right training, anyone can get better at thinking creatively. So that's the first really important thing. And so then what we do is we go in and we train groups of people in how to think more creatively and how to provide better solutions to uh, your customers or consumers or whoever it is or buying the product or service that you're putting out into the world. So that's, um, that's essentially how we approach it. Yeah. Are there different types of personalities who gravitate to creativity more or is it actually more of a mindset that anybody can actually uh, start seeing creativity as long as they're willing to get involved in the process? Yeah, I, look, I, I don't think it's a personality thing per se. It, it, it really is, um, again, it comes back to motivation. I think the people that, that do have that desire to look for new and better ways of doing things are really well suited to... Um, to bring in creativity into what they do. And likewise, if you are that way inclined, but you're working for, uh, let's say you've got a boss that is like, no, no, this is the way that we've always done things um, and really doesn't want you challenging the status quo, that can be incredibly demotivating. So I think, you know, if you feel like you've got this spark inside of you that is really motivated to discover better ways of doing things, then it's really important that you find a manager that is open to that way of thinking. Otherwise, work is going to be pretty depressing for you. Yeah. Um, is there some great examples that you've had with uh, your organisation as you've, you've helped others of, of where creativity has taken, you know, someone from this place to this place and it, just with some fantastic results you could maybe share with us? Uh, look, we, we see it in all sorts of um, circumstances. One of the things that my organisation does uh, is for the last, Almost 10 years we've partnered with the Australian Financial Review um, to uh, create the uh, AFR's most innovative companies list. So on that list, there's you know all sorts of innovations that, that companies are doing um, to improve things for their customer and ultimately improve things for the world. So um, you know certainly in that list, we uh, we unearth all sorts of interesting things that are going on. Um, but I think, you know, the mistake that people make is I think that innovation and creativity has to lead to some kind of, you know, sexy tech product like an iPhone or something like that. But, um, you know, what, what I get really excited about are just day-to-day -day examples where someone finds a better way of doing something, um, you know, where they start to really think about what matters to the customer and start to apply their creative thinking to providing better solutions to the customer. So, you know, I really think it, it can be quite simple and a lot of assume that creativity and innovation has to lead to some sexy new tech product. Um, that's certainly not the case. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I think, an encouragement for all of us that, hey, 
we all have that ability to, to do that and and, uh, and improve ourselves and indeed our organisations and the places that we work. Dr. Amantha Rimba is my special guest this evening, uh, an organisational psychologist, founder of Inventium. We're going to be back as we talk about another piece that uh, Am- Amantha has talked about, which is this idea of uh, happiness at work. Should we actually be happy? Is that something that we should expect out of our workplace? Um, and what can we do to play our part in that sense that's on the way next here on 89.9 the light in conversation with clayton in community conversation here on 89.9 the light you're with dr amantha imba she is the founder of inventium organizational psychologist we're talking about how we can improve our own place and our indeed our workplace even during the midst of lockdown um amantha another thing that you talked about a bit earlier on was happiness as a key um, often that's something that perhaps many people wouldn't necessarily uh, put together when it comes to their workplace. Uh, why is happiness actually so important for us in our work? Well, for most of us, we spend about a third of our waking lives uh, at work. And so I think that it stands to reason that we kind of want that part of our life, like that huge amount of time that we spend in the workplace, really good about what we're doing yeah yeah absolutely so how do we actually go about improving it because i think you know often it might seem like well i i just have to do what i'm told or or i i've just got to go about doing this is there a way that we can each play our part to make happiness uh, you know go up in our workplaces yeah look i think you know what we were talking about earlier in terms of human motivation i mean you know really coming back to what it is that you're there to do at work and trying to find um, and drive your own motivation around that if you're not already inherently motivated in it. So coming back to those building blocks of motivation that we spoke about in terms of autonomy and mastery and also connection. And I think if you're really struggling to find motivation in what you do um, or in your work, then, you know, that, that that's potentially a reason to perhaps think about, um, you know, when, when I guess the, you know, the worst of lockdown and COVID is over to think about, well, what could you work towards doing um, that you might find more inherently motivating? Uh, And therefore, if we're motivated at work, we tend to be happier in, in terms of just our working life. Yeah. And are you thinking some of the best ways of that is to, to talk to those around us who know us best? Is that sort of the best way to, to sounding board some of those ideas? Yeah, I think it's a, it, it's certainly a really great strategy. And I think fundamentally thinking about what are the sorts of things that you do in your life that you find energising and what are the things that you find de-energising? And then with the energising list, I mean, certainly, you're, you know, it, it would be rare to find a job where 100% of the time you're doing things that energise you. But research has found that even if 20% of the time, like just one day a week, we are working on stuff that we find really interesting and exciting and we're feeling really engaged, that is actually enough for us to, by and large, feel happy at work. So it doesn't mean that, you know, your whole job has to just be completely joyous. Um, Research suggests that we don't actually need that to feel happy at work. Just, you know, one day a week tends to be enough or one day uh, day a week's worth of work um, that we find exciting. So, you know, really thinking about what do you love, what energises you and what doesn't energise you and trying to find a job that has a lot of the ingredients and things that energise you um, and less of the stuff that doesn't. It can be just as simple as that. Yeah. Um, 
maybe in this vein, maybe it's around the creativity or some of these other ones, and, and maybe this is a completely unfair question about them, but uh, during the, all of this time, you know, here you are, you're, you're an organisational psychologist, you're running Inventium in these regards too, um, and helping people through lockdown with their workplaces and improving and, and coping as well as in that sense too. What are some of the things you've needed to do for yourself to actually uh, get through? Is there certain parts of what you've shared today or maybe it's something else that you need to put in place for yourself to to help yourself through this time? Yeah, it's a great question. I think for me, um, uh, the the value of routine is really important. So, uh, and, and also the value of planning. So I have a process where I will think about what are the big things that I want to achieve every week and I will write them up on a whiteboard. I've got a whiteboard with three columns, which are to do, doing, and done. Um, so if there's anyone that's um, using agile uh, strategies in their workplace, that's a Kanban board. Um, and I, I kind of go, well, it'll be a great week if I can achieve these six or seven things. They then go on the big to-do list. And I then visually move things across when I'm doing them and when I've done them. So... For me, that gives me a really good sense of progress that I'm doing the work that matters. I'm not getting distracted or, you know, just reacting to things that really aren't actually that important. And I'm feeling that sense of progress, which is really important that we feel. It's one of the biggest motivators at work, feeling that sense of progress. So that's become a weekly ritual. Um, but also just on a daily basis, um, I almost have, uh, I guess it's like like a daily boot-up ritual where I, uh, I um, depending on whether my daughter's with me or not, she's with me half the time. Um, I tend to start work quite early. I'll make a coffee. Um, I won't open any apps that will lead me to being distracted, like email stays closed. I don't open up, you know, the, the news website or social media or anything like that. I just get stuck in what is the most important thing that I really want to achieve and finish today, whether that be... Um, writing um, an article or a column or finalising a presentation, working on a report, those sorts of things. Um, and so that's what I do. So I just kind of sit myself down at the computer and I don't get distracted by anything um, until that uh, sort of first big important thing is done. So for me, rituals I find incredibly helpful. Yeah, I love it fantastic stuff well look uh, Mantha thank you so much for giving so much of your time to help us all out uh, today it's been fascinating I, I you know there's a heap that I'm going to take away from it I'm sure there's a whole heap of uh, people across the city who are going to be taking bits and pieces uh, to help them through this lockdown and especially as we hear the news today that it's going to be extended uh, sort of you know in in uh, not a permanent way but a, a semi-permanent permanent way for still quite a while to come thank you so much for giving out time and helping us this evening my pleasure. There it is, Dr. Amantha Imber. What a wonderful, wonderful lady who has, uh, I'm hoping, as we said, really helped you out in terms of understanding what you can do to help yourself and your workplace as you go through this period of lockdown.